So welcome back everyone to Orlando Out of Context. I'm Brian. I'm Stephanie. And today we have um, Stephen Maddow. I pronounced your last name right, right? Maddow. Maddow, okay. So welcome, welcome Stephen. We've been seeing you. We started our podcast probably, I think it's almost, almost two, two years. years. Yeah, so June 18. Yeah, two years. Yeah, so two years. And I think pretty soon after we started our Instagram and stuff, we kind of started to see your photography. And uh, so that's kind of how we know you. Uh, we know you through basically Instagram and seeing your Instagram shops. So that's why we're having you on the podcast today because you cap capture some really, really great, really yeah. great shots of Thanks. Orlando. So welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. So tell us a little bit about your Orlando story. Are you originally from here? Did you move here? Or what's, what's that story look like for you? Yeah, so I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland um, through high school. Um, and then I came down here for Rollins, unintentionally wearing a Rollins polo today, um, but representing it um, and stuck around at Rollins for a while. Um, did my undergrad and my MBA there. Um, and then really loved Orlando, um, loved kind of the network of people, um, both, both personally and professionally, um, and just so much here, like, especially rocket launches, nowhere else in the country where you get to actually have access to be able to see those all the time, um, but really fell in love with Orlando and have been here for, you know, a decade and a half now or something. That's awesome. So what part of Orlando do you live uh, my wife and I live in College Park. We've been here for four or five years now. Okay, so you're right right in the heart of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so we, you know, with our podcast, we like to kind of showcase that Orlando is not all about the attractions and that it's much more than that. The you people know. and, you know, the spirit and, of the city. And so I think for for people it's great to look at your photography and they get to see a different you do have some pictures of you know the the theme parks uh, a little bit here and there but it you really uh, showcase you know different what the real orlando is i guess you would say so i definitely encourage people to head over there if you're listening to right now uh, safely head over to uh steven's instagram account so what is your instagram handle yeah, so it's pretty easy. It is just my name, at Stephen Maddow. And Perfect. then hopefully you guys can throw a link on there as well, but it's just S-T-E-V-N-M-A-D-O-W. And we're doing a Zoom call right now, so, because we're in quarantine still. Uh, <laughs> we have our little Zoom backgrounds of your photography. So you can find that on your website, right? Yeah, exactly. And my website, all, all of my branding's just my name. So my website, stephenmaddow.com. Um, pretty early on during the quarantine. And so I, I found that I was on Zoom calls like five or six hours a day and, and decided that I was using some of my own photography as, as a background and that maybe some other people would want to do that too. So I threw like four or five of my pictures up on my website. Yeah, the quality is pretty good too. It looks nice. Yeah, it's perfect. So the one, the shot that you have uh, that we're using right now, Yeah. Uh, that's a drone shot, right? Because there's no way you could have gotten that shot without a drone. Yes, that's a drone shot. That's actually one of my favorite pictures that I've shot of Orlando. And um, this was about two days after Hurricane Dorian. So 
the hurricane that came through in I think August of last year. Yeah. Um, and when hurricanes come through, of course, they're doing really interesting things in the atmosphere. And it left this great moisture in the clouds and to have these like insane sunrises and sunsets. So it was a couple of days of these. Um, and I saw somebody posted a, a sunset, a photographer's sunset forecast on their Facebook page. Um, and I'm like, I've got to get down to Lake Eola tonight. And it worked <laughs> out. Those forecasts aren't always perfect, but the sky blew up. It was pretty insane. Yeah. So if you're listening right now um, to the podcast and you're not watching or seeing any visuals, we will post, if it's okay with you, we will repost this from your account. Sure. Yeah. To ours, or whether it's our story or directly on our feed, we'll report, repost this one because it's a beautiful sunset. It's like a perfect, it's a perfect shot. So tell us a little bit um, about like what sparked your interest in photography and is that what you went to Rollins for? Like, did you have professional like, training or? Um, yeah, so I have no professional training in photography. Um, in fact, even, even now, my professional career is something completely different. So uh, I'm, I'm in the technology world. Uh, specifically, I, I work within product at Fat Merchant, uh, which is a really cool local company uh, that's been growing. So again, keeping that like Orlando connection going. Um, but Photography has been something that, that has kind of been a, a side thing for me for several years now. So when I was young, I was a little bit into making videos um, and especially doing trip videos. That was a fun genre for me that I still do whenever I go on a trip. Um, and then two things really drove me to photography. So the first of those is rocket launches. Um, I, I, at some point during college, um, was like outside a couple of times and just coincidentally saw a rocket going into space and thought, wow, this is the coolest thing. I wonder if I can start looking up and figuring out when these launches are. Um, and then that kind of led to photographing them and realizing that, well, if I want to get these nighttime long exposure rocket photographs, I need some real equipment. So that kind of drove me that way. Um, and then also drones. So I got, I got really into aerial videography. Uh, which was kind of the leading thing that brought me into it. Um, and then realized, okay, I already have this camera on a helicopter flying up in the air. Might as well snap some pictures as well, which is so funny because now 95% of my work is still photos as opposed to video. Right. Well, because that's what we see most of on your Instagram is we see mostly uh, the still photo photographs. Um, so that's a really interesting story of what led you to uh, led you to kind of what we see on your Instagram. So do you go to uh, um, Cape Canaveral much at all, like to grab to grab shots of rocket launches? Yeah, so actually, I, I kind of like to put a unique spin on it most of the time. Um, occasionally, I will go down to Cape Canaveral. I was actually down there on Saturday and then the launch scrubbed and then I went back on Sunday. Uh, to take a picture just based on the weather you couldn't see it from downtown what i love to do is especially with nighttime rocket launches to find something that's iconic or semi-iconic within orlando to be able to add into the composition to get a piece of orlando and the rocket launch in the background and i love that combination um, my favorite one that i've ever done of that was i somehow convinced um, Orlando City Soccer to let me onto the rooftop of their stadium um, late in the evening and I was able to get the foreground of the stadium with then 
the Orlando skyline and kind of that mid-ground and a rocket launch uh, with a great arc going off in the background. Yeah, I think it's one of my favorite shots. I think you have that as one of your zoom backdrops. Is that is that one? Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's one of the zoom backgrounds that I threw on there. Yeah, that's that's a great shot. It's hard because, you know, th those rocket launches, they can be hard to catch sometimes because there's so many scheduled and, you know, it's like, I, don't, I would say probably 50% of the time the weather, like, oh, yeah. going on. So it's, yeah. do you, like, carry all your stuff with you at all times? So if you see, like, a nice cloud, a nice sky, or you hear, like, about a launch, you just bust it all out. So the launches, even though they wind up postponing them a lot, I do at least get some warning. And, and I bring pretty extensive gear when I photograph them, so that would be tough to have all the time. But yeah. normally for a nighttime rocket launch, I'll set up three different cameras on tripods, uh, trying to do different things, which it's kind of funny, a rocket launch, you get one chance to take the picture, but I've found a way to give myself three chances to take the picture, just by having a little bit more gear. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I love to have a camera with me whenever possible, um, especially when it gets into like um, fall or even winter, um, when those sunrises are a little bit earlier and the sunsets are later, um, just if I'm downtown, being able to randomly snag a, a shot is awesome. I like on your Instagram, you always put like the information as to the equipment that you use and stuff. So if you are a photographer, it makes like a little bit more sense if you understand <laughs> all the different apertures and the camera models and all those things. Yeah, so definitely the targeted audience of, of that part of the caption is for photographers. I try to have like, a little bit of narrative about the picture and maybe even how I captured it in a way that hopefully speaks to photographers and non-photographers um, and then get really nerdy with those details. <laughs> yeah, it's and cool. if I don't put those there, people wind up asking for them anyhow, so it's just much easier just to throw it there to start with. So have you only done uh, digital photography or have you done uh, the old school photography with film as well? Or have you only done digital? Um, yeah, so when I was a very young kid, um, I think I had some sort of film camera, and at some point, um, I forget where, but I had access to like a dark room to develop black and white photos. But that was really early on, not something that I took extremely seriously. Um, but in, in terms of my adult life, now I'm purely digital, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to think back, like, remember, you know, having the, the Kodak oh, portable yeah. uh, things that you would buy? Uh, the disposable at the, cameras. Or, yeah, oh, the disposable, disposable cameras are film. I don't even think of them that way, but we all, I guess, had film cameras back then. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all kind of did. I remember I had a camera, I don't know, we probably got a garage sale or something, but it was kind of long and it took film and it was kind of very, like, just cheap and... But I mean that we used to use it and, you know, had to put film and get it processed and everything. And it's the world's so different now with, with the digital and uh, yeah. even with our phones. So do you do any mobile photography? Sometimes, um, you know, really it's if I'm somewhere and I don't have a camera with me and something really cool is going on, maybe I'll try to snag a picture on my phone. Um, but even like when I travel, so I travel with a lot of gear um, and I always make these like five minute trip videos. And a lot of the time, some of that video is shot on my phone just because it's there and it's convenient. Um, but then also a lot's on the drone or on, uh, I've, 
got this crazy apparatus for filming underwater as well. So. Oh, wow. You see a lot of um, like celebrities and stuff these days who kind of boast about, oh, I filmed my whole music video with my iPhone or I shot all these photos for the cover with my iPhone, you know, because I think it is yeah. a nice, it is a nice, you know, back in the day when you would go on vacation, you would have to take your camera and all the other things. Now you have everything in one device. Yes, yeah, so the, the iPhone is an amazing camera um, or cameras. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them have four cameras on them, three on the back, one on the front. But what, what truly makes, and this is like where my technology uh, self and, and photography kind of meet, what makes the iPhone camera so impressive is the computer inside of the, the iPhone. So it does all of this amazing processing for you so that you don't really have to, to learn how to do it or think through it, but it does such a fantastic job. I'm, I'm just continually impressed every time they come out with a new one or the new software for it. Um, because really for most people, the iPhone is completely sufficient now and five years ago, it was far from being good enough for most people. Right. So that's one of the questions that we have, and I think this is a good place to kind of bring that up. So like, for instance, the the, the photo that we talked about uh, that we're using as our Zoom background right now, the Orlando sunset, how much of that is, um, is there any editing that goes into that? Like what we see the final product and like, you know, how much time do you spend editing? I'm sure it depends on what, what picture, you know, what kind of, what kind of technique did you have to learn uh, as well, uh, kind of post taking that picture in the camera and then taking to the computer? Talk to a little bit about your editing process. Yeah, so I think it's always funny when people say like, oh, this photo hasn't been edited. And because even just what I was talking about with the iPhone, every photo, every digital photo has been edited. And the question is, do you want to let the camera pick how to edit the photo for you? Or do you want to edit the photo yourself? Uh, so for me, I'm really into post-processing. Um, I shoot very intentionally for an ability to post-process. So I've got kind of what I want the picture to look like in my mind ahead of time. Um, and I don't want to nerd out too much on it, but oftentimes I'll take five or 10 or even more pictures um, with, with different variations to be able to pull them together into a single image that I display at the end. So um, like HDR. Basically. Yeah, so HDR is one version of that. Um, so a little bit of manual HDR as well. So like the, the image of this super dynamic sunset, to be able to have a camera pick up the really bright sunset and the relatively dark skyline, being able to blend a few different exposures, so dark and light photos together is a great way to do it. And then at my most extreme, I also um, am, I love doing some crazy composites. And um, so that's like taking two photos that maybe were taken around the same time as each other, but maybe not. One of my favorites of those, um, I sat out at Orlando International Airport for a few hours um, a couple of years ago, just taking pictures of planes. And, and I was able to bring that together to have about 25 different planes taking off in a single shot. So it just looks like all of these planes are taking off at the same time. Um, and that's one of my favorite shots as well. And, and that's all about the, the editing and, and that technique there. So I, I love to be able to do that. Um, to me, the goal is not necessarily documentary with pictures, um, but creating uh, sort of photographic art and being able to create these idyllic scenes um, with, 
a little bit less concern on the exact representation of reality. So you're not into doing like weddings and babies and stuff like <laughs> that. That's like a whole different photography. It's, it's pretty funny. A lot of people will come <laughs> up to me and they'll be like, especially like friends or people in my personal network will come up to me and be like, oh, you do these really cool photos of, of skylines. Can you shoot pictures of my family? And I'm just like, there are some amazing photographers out here in the Orlando community who can do great portraiture work. I am not one of them. Um, and, and that's just not my area of focus. Like I could go take some pictures of you, but you're probably not gonna be psyched about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a totally different, that's a totally different thing. Cause you have, to, you have to really know how to position people to really get good at that. You know, you right, have to- Exactly. It's totally different to capture someone and uh you know yeah it's a totally different thing <laughs> yeah you have to be able to pose people you have to be able to work with artificial light and flashes and diffusers and all of these crazy things and and i just tend to use the light that's available out there uh what what i'm most interested in is hearing about like your drone work and i was reading on your website about you know having certifications and getting like uh, clearance from the FFA and stuff like that. So how does that work? Because drones, I think, are a relatively new uh, emerging, uh, you know, thing in our world that people are using tools to capture all kinds of things. Um, yeah, so, so drones have really opened up a ton in photography. Um, and I've, I've been flying drones since it was either 2014, I think. 2014 or 2015, so pretty early on when they came out. And at the time, my drone was the size of an oversized backpack, like the largest backpack that I've ever owned was for that drone. And it was pretty cumbersome. And while you were flying it, so it had a GoPro on the bottom of it with no stabilization, so moving around like crazy. You had no control, you couldn't see what you were filming. You had to set a timer at the beginning for like seven minutes because if you didn't land by the time that that timer went off, the drone was gonna fall out of the sky and it, was, it didn't tell you how much battery it had left. You just had to kind of guess like, oh, full battery. Hopefully I'll get these seven minutes out of it. There goes your $300 drone or your yeah. the GoPro, the GoPro, not the, Those, the drone and, yeah, I mean, and the GoPro. It, it was a completely different world and, and people would crash their drones all the time, but also there was no regulation around it, um, which meant that that there was a lot of uncertainty and confusion, uh, especially from a professional side. And now, now drones like my my main drone that I use folds up. It's about the size of a water bottle. It fits into a small compartment within my photography backpack, and it even fits into a small compartment within my sling backpack. So th these things are tiny. They have tiny remotes. They fly for thirty minutes. They have amazing cameras, much better cameras than, than the GoPros that I used to fly. And you can actually see and compose what it is that you want to shoot and control it the same way that you would a camera on the ground. And, but then a lot of it comes into regulation, right? So um, the picture behind you guys is at Lake Eola. Um, and there was a point in time where the city of Orlando said, you cannot fly drones at Lake Eola. Um, and then Florida, um, and I won't get too political here, but... One of the things that I liked that Rick Scott did, which is a rare statement maybe to make, was to, to unify these drone laws and say, we're gonna follow the FAA, meaning that there is one authority that gets to decide how, when, and where you can fly your drones. 
Um, and now I have a what's called a Part 107 license, which is the specific license that allows me to be a remote pilot in command of a drone and be able to take pictures for commercial use. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I'm able to legally license those pictures to the brands that I work with, like Visit Orlando or Orlando Economic Partnership or even Creative Village uh, downtown. So a lot of these, these awesome brands that I've been able to work with, this is kind of this enabling factor that allows me to do that. So then uh, if I was to go, let's say on Amazon right now and buy a cheap $200, $200 drone and I decide that I want to fly it, am I legally able to fly it or do I need to register in some way before I take that drone out and fly it? Yeah, so the FAA has gone back and forth a couple of times about registration. Um, I forget that most of the, the rules that I'm super up on are the commercial side of things as opposed to the consumer side. But I think there's like a $5 registration that you can do on the FAA. Um, and you can fly in most places. Um, now, Lake Eola Park, for instance, um, is an area that's controlled by Orlando Executive Airport, not by Orlando International Airport. There's all this weird conflicting airspace. Again, we can nerd out a little bit deeper on this, but I'll, I'll not do that for now. Um, and, and I think um, consumers can just call up Orlando Executive Airport and say, hey, I want to do a flight at 200 feet over Lake Eola. Can you guys give me permission to do that? And they'll say, yeah, no problem. Um, and then they'll kind of warn the planes in that area, hey, there's a small drone flying in the area. So, you know, make sure to, to not fly too low. Got it. Which is pretty cool. I mean, a drone is respected from an airspace uh, standpoint. I have rights to be able to, to, to seek approval and to fly in that same airspace that planes have access to. Now, for both in that same airspace, of course, I give right of way to somebody that has a human on board. Um, but it, it's pretty cool that the FAA allows for this and has pretty good things in place. So what blocks you, uh, you're not allowed to like, obviously people can't fly drones at like Disney or Universal, right? That's like private property yeah. or? Yeah, so it's kind of weird from a legal standpoint. Um, as long as you're a foot off the ground, private property doesn't matter. Um, so the FAA owns the airspace in the United States. Other countries are different, but the FAA owns our airspace. Now following 9-11, they put this giant no-fly zone around, centered around Magic Kingdom that covers the majority of Disney property. Um, and when you're thinking about Universal, there are some additional rules that you can't fly over groups of people. So generally, Universal, if somebody were flying their drone, they could then get the FAA to go after that person and say, look, this person was breaking this sub-regulation that says you can't fly over groups of people and therefore it's, it's illegal for that reason. But I know some people have been going out during the quarantine and saying, well, there's no people, so I'm not breaking this rule anymore. I'm, if, as long as the airspace is available, they can go get cool drone footage of Universal. Uh, while it's awesome. It's like a little, you know, it's like you send a little bird with eyes. And, you know, it's a lot of times when I see people using a drone, they're like, have their phone on a little thing. So the phone is the screen for what yeah, exactly. That would be cool. Yeah, they're, they're really fun to fly. Um, it, and it's so cool. Like there are people who do um, racing drones also, which is a completely different genre. Um, but those people do some amazing stuff and they can fly like crazy. They're great you just pilots. like taught yourself or, I mean, is it just a self-learning thing where you kind of just figure it out or? Yeah, so with the drone, um, 
I mean, I guess I watched some videos on YouTube and kind of started to understand how to use it. Um, I, I was never really big into video games, but the controller kind of feels like what I would imagine a, you know, they're close to like a video game controller. Um, they're pretty intuitive. Now that I've been flying them for six years or so, um, it just feels so natural when I fly. I very rarely have those moments where my heart is pulsing and I don't know what's going to happen or if I'm going to lose my drone. But early on, I had those moments all the time. Hmm. The technology helps a lot too. They have sensors. They help you avoid things. And they I was going to say there's, there's, some automation. there's some automation now, right? Yeah, tons of automation. Um, and I rely on, on some of it. One of the coolest things that, that my particular drone can do is um, you can set it up and you can kind of fly it on this route um, and then it will automatically slowly fly on that same path and take a picture every couple of seconds. So you can make this thing called a hyperlapse. So it's this really cool looking video where it's like fast motion. So like a time lapse while the camera is moving and it's, it's super cool and that's a great automated mode. And then you can just press a button and it just comes back to you, right? Yeah, so they all have that capability. You just to like case. navigate your way back to where you are and it will just come back. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and those sort of safety things help out a lot because I feel like the more times that people mess up with drones and then those articles get picked up by the news, then people get a little bit more fearful about them. But to me, it's a, it's a really critical tool for my photography. Um, so I definitely... Like when there weren't regulations, it was a little bit scary because we didn't know if we were breaking the law or not. And now that there are regulations, it actually helps give a little bit of confidence so that like I've had cops come up to me while I'm flying my drone and I can just pull out a license, pull out my, my certification that says that I'm allowed to fly there and they can't tell me not to fly there. And, and I win. <laughs> so that works out really well. I'm shocked I don't see more drones. Like, I'm surprised the way people are with like technology and always wanting to get the money shot and like did like social media. I don't really see that many drones around. I mean, I, maybe you can't see them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're pretty small and they're pretty quiet now. Um, DJI, this company that makes a lot of the, the uh, drones for consumers and professionals that people buy, they do have some lower end ones that are targeted at like influencers, um, <laughs> which is pretty cool. It's, it's definitely a good segment for them. But in a lot of places where those people might go, drones are banned. So like you can't bring your drone into Disney. And um, if you're traveling internationally, um, a lot of the time drones may not be allowed. Like I just went to Iceland um, about a year ago and some of the key waterfalls and these, these really beautiful places, now drones are not allowed, um, which is unfortunate because those would be beautiful places to be able to, to take some pictures and video. Yeah, I think that, you know, even in film, like, uh, uh, in terms of, like, Hollywood film, they're using drones. They're using drones a lot more to, you know, you don't have to get a helicopter anymore. You can just throw a, a drone up there. So that's awesome. So what kind of um, what kind of projects have you done, just briefly, like, some of the uh, highlights, some of the projects you've done on a professional commercial level, um, if, you, if you can talk about, uh, you know. Sure. Two, two or three of your favorites. Yeah, so I can talk pretty openly about them, especially because they wind up using my photos. Um, so it's, it's actually really fun to me when I see my photos on like marketing material or if I see them on Instagram. Um, and like, especially if it's something that I know that I've licensed um, and it, even if it doesn't have credit, that's part of the licensing deal. And I'm just very proud to see my work there. 
Um, but some of the cooler ones that I've done, um, so Creative Village, um, I've been working with them for a few years now, actually, um, for that amazing construction project that's going on in the Paramore area. And so they've been building a few buildings. Um, Union West is now complete. So I remember like I was taking pictures of that right when they were starting to construct that building. And it's been amazing to see that grow and then actually be open and then be able to tour that building and see like students in there and, and residents living there and some of those other buildings. Um, and, I'm, and I'm still continuing on with them uh, as they build the Julian and some other projects uh, within that area. So they have some awesome stuff. I'm so excited to see what that project brings over the next several years. Um, and beside them, I've been able to work with both visits. So the Visit Florida group and the Visit Orlando group, um, which has been pretty cool for Visit Orlando. And um, they sent me out to a few different locations and um, to kind of just make the city, uh, especially more so tourist areas with them, um, which makes sense for Visit Orlando. That's one of the biggest things that's bringing people in. And for Visit Florida, I kind of got to do this fun project with them where it was just a day in central Florida. So I took some photos at Lake Eola at the Winter Park Farmer's Market and then ended the day over at Smyrna Dunes Beach, uh, which is a great dog beach um, for anybody who has a dog who hasn't been there. Uh, definitely check that out. It is really, really cool. Um, but that was awesome to be able to kind of show off um, sort of the real Orlando um, for, for this sub-brand of Visit Florida that specifically kind of their target audience is people who live in Florida. Right. They're trying to, to make sure that we all really enjoy our state, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, so those have definitely been some of my favorite ones. Cool. Well, uh, we definitely love looking at your photography, for sure. And I kind of want to see more of your uh, drone work now. Where is the best place, uh, you know, do you have, I don't recall seeing a lot of drone work on your Instagram. Where do you, where do you have a lot of your drone work featured? Um, so most of it does go on my Instagram. Um, I have some stuff on my website, but my Instagram is, is really my place where I'm posting sort of my most recent shots. And so it's definitely the most up-to-date way to see if I'm coming out with anything new. Uh, Pre-quarantine, I, I was going out all the time and taking pictures. So I'm sure that I'll start ramping that up now that we're kind of relaxing things a little bit. Um, but a lot of the photography that I do anyhow is at six in the morning or something around sunrise. So there's no people around. <laughs> this would be a wild time to take a lot of photos because this is like, I've been living in Orlando for like since 2005. And this is like the eeriest I've ever seen Orlando. Oh, like, yeah. you know, we've never had a time where there aren't like a million tourists here and it's just quiet and it's just a really weird place to see the city, you know? And to capture the, those these times and photos, you know, will be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen, so street photography is a really cool genre, uh, which is not necessarily a genre that I do, but that's kind of like a, a genre of just going around and taking pictures of people and their natural environment as they walk through streets. Um, and I've seen some awesome work from great street photographers during these times uh, that kind of are a really great way of representing and documenting what's going on. So uh, you've been in Orlando a while. You live in uh, a great place. You know, uh, College Park uh, is a great place to be. So what are some of your recommendations to uh, our listeners in terms of, like, restaurants? Do you have some, a favorite restaurant or two that you'd like to 
to shout out. Are you a foodie? Yeah, so I, I love the Orlando restaurant scene. It's pretty funny. My perception of it has changed now that we are in these strange times, as we all like to call them. So my mind goes to like the places that we've been Uber Eatsing from, or even better, if we if the restaurant delivers themselves, we always like to do that because you know yeah. Uber takes a lot of their money out. So so if you can, it's always great to be able to either pick up from that restaurant or or use their delivery. So here in College Park, uh, Cafe Linger has been a really big go-to for us, especially uh, within these quarantine times. Um, but they're awesome. They've been doing their own delivery service, and we can just go and pick it up. A really cool hangout spot um, pre-quarantine. We go bring the dog there a lot. Also, um, when heading down to Edgewater Drive, there's a few other great ones that, that we like to go to. So Infusion Tea is pretty good, especially on the lighter sides of things. And I personally love drinking loose leaf tea. So I'll go there and, and grab some, uh, some tacos and then also some loose leaf tea to bring home. So that's oh, that sounds cool. good. Tacos? Uh, yeah, their, their tea is awesome. And they've done something so cool in the community, um, especially when toilet paper was so tough to find. They did this thing called teepeeing. So you could TP a neighbor that you liked and they would put this giant sign with your name on your, your friend's lawn um, and they would give the friend two rolls of toilet paper and some loose leaf tea. Um, oh, that's so, that's uh, so funny. Um, walking around College Park, you can see like, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe hundreds of these signs all over the place on everyone's lawn uh, that's been TP'd. That's a genius. Yeah, that's funny. What's the name of the tea place again? It's called Infusion Tea. I haven't heard of it. And so I'm not personally a vegetarian or a vegan, but they are a vegetarian spot and definitely their food is great. So even as a carnivore, I really enjoy it. Wow. That's why we love talking to people, uh, kind of getting feelers out because we kind of live in the attractions area. So, I mean, sometimes like when we talk to new people, they live living all over Orlando. So it, it helps us find new spots and, you know, highlight all these awesome places in Orlando. Do you have any uh, like activities that you enjoy in Orlando? Yeah, um, one of my favorite things to do, now, now that it's the summer, it's a little bit tougher, um, but going canoeing um, on our springs. So it's so funny, like of course we have all of these giant tourist attractions, but to me this natural native Florida is really great. So especially up in the Wakaiva Springs area, um, but really anywhere on a, on a paddling boat to so a kayak or canoe is great within, within the whole state. So there's so many places that you can go um, with manatees as well. Um, back in January, my wife and I went snorkeling with manatees through this group called Birds Underwater. Uh, that's over on the west coast of Florida. And that was incredible. Like I have this giant underwater camera this huge dome port and these manatees were coming up and booping the camera dome uh, and it was just amazing <laughs> that was so cool <laughs> oh that's cool i went to see manatees in february but they were like really strict about it they weren't even letting people do like any kind of kayaking or water sports in the area they had sort of a little area closed down to like protect the manatees Yep. So we could just look at them from afar, but that, that sounds like a cool experience. Yeah. So doing it with the tour really worked out well for us. You can, there are ways that you can go snorkeling with manatees without doing a formal tour, 
but the nice thing is that they were able to have the rights to be able to bring a boat into that specific area and then to kind of control and organize the group to get us right into the right area. And especially since we don't live on the west coast of Florida, having that extra push was helpful. <laughs> so to wrap it up, we just want to talk about, we like to sometimes talk about Orlando pro tips. So these are like secrets or, you know, ways that you navigate Orlando uh, as a city that's always full of tourists and things. So do you have any, you know, Orlando pro tips that you want to share with our listeners? <laughs> um, I think one of my pro tips recently is getting around downtown. And so I bought this like mini Segway thing that comes up to my knees, um, which I know that we've got all of these scooters now, but that's just such a great way, this, this Segway thing to zip around. And it's so cool because I can take it into elevators, I can open up doorways, and it's pretty much just being like a really fast pedestrian. And um, so it's very yeah, non-cumbersome. Zipping around on them. Um, but but now that the scooters are out, um, those are pretty rad too, um, to be able to get around quickly. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great pro tip. You know, uh, Orlando didn't uh, it kind of took Orlando a little while to get on the scooter uh, bandwagon. Um, I think we had bikes first, and then yep. they eventually added scooters. But that's a great way to uh, zip around because even you know you being in College Park, you're not that far from getting to you know, the heart of downtown, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, certainly could bike, um, but not something that I regularly do to get to work. So you mentioned you have a dog. Do you ever ride the Segway and let your dog pull you, or is that like a recipe for disaster? <laughs> so I haven't tried that out, although I will admit something so embarrassing. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we got a trailer for my bike and, and we took my dog out to um, West Orange Trail and rode like 15 miles out on the trail with my dog, which was so funny while running into people who I knew and just being like, yep, we own a trailer for our dog. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, it's like this little thing that you hook up to the bike, like you see people pulling children in. Exactly. So it's it the one that we have is made by Schwinn, which is the they're they're a bike brand and they make them for children and they make a specific one. I think it's called the Rascal, which is so funny. It has like paw prints all over it, and it's, and it's got a collar hookup so that you can hook your dog in. So they're absolutely targeting this market of people who love their dogs way too much. Well, you know, it's out there. The money is there to be made. So no shame in that game. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, uh, Stephen. We really uh, appreciate your time and uh, we appreciate your work and uh, how you highlight Orlando. And uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for being huge supporters of the community overall. I, I love this local Orlando community. So it's always nice to be able to connect to other people who do and who are trying to you know, really make it what it is and continue to grow it as this great community feel. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And guys, until next time. Bye. bye. Follow us on Instagram at Orlando Out of Context. Instagram is where you can connect and interact with us as well as see photos and videos related to this week's episode. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio.